الحمد لله الذي شرع الأحكام عدد من صلى وصام على مرور الساعات والأيام وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له رب الأنام وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أرسله ربه بالهدى ودين الحق ليبلغ القرآن وأشهد أن الله سبحانه وتعالى أمر بالعدل والإحسان ونهى عن البغي والظلم وعبادة الأوثان والصلبان والنيران وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله وبعد All praise is due to Allah, we praise Him, we seek His help and we seek His forgiveness. We seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the consequences of our evil actions. Whomsoever Allah guides, none can misguide. And whomsoever Allah misguides, none can guide. And I bear witness that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah. And I bear witness that Muhammad is his last and final messenger. The best of guidance is the guidance of Prophet Muhammad And the best of speech is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And every add-on to the religion is a heresy. Every heresy is misguidance, and every misguidance is in the hellfire. All the rules of Islam were legislated here on earth. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to legislate something for us, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send the angelic messenger Jibreel to the human messenger Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with the rules and regulations and the instructions that make up the divine guidance to humanity. But when it came to legislating very important rule in Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not send the angelic messenger with that rule, but rather Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the angelic messenger to bring up to him the human messenger. And we're all familiar with the event of Al-Isra. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the angelic messenger Jibreel alayhi salam to the human messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam and Jibreel took Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam up to above the seven skies to a point that no creation had reached before. To a point where the Prophet ﷺ was able to hear the sound of the pens as they are writing on pages. And in that high, very high place, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly legislated for us to do the daily prayers. And there were 50 daily prayers, 5-0. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reduced that to make them 5 daily prayers. So all the rules of Al-Islam were legislated here on earth, where the angelic messenger came to Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with the revelation.
But when it came to the salah, due to its very extreme importance, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent after the human messenger and brought him up to him and gave him the instruction directly for the salah. That shows us the importance of the salah. The salah of immense importance for the believers because of its benefits. And the shaitan always wants to rip us off from the benefits of the salah. Always the shaitan comes to rip us off from the benefits of the salah. In the hadith narrated in Sahih Muslim, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, إِنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ يَحْضُرُ أَحَدَكُمْ عِنْدَ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ مِنْ شَأْنِهِ The shaitan shows up every time one of you is about to do something that is important. Every time one of us is about to do something that is important, guess who shows up? A shaitan or his friend, the shaitan and his operative. When a person wants to do something of importance, the shaitan shows up to distract, to discourage, to create roadblocks, stumbling blocks, or to implant evil thoughts. He comes to inhibit us from doing those things of importance for ourselves in this life and in the hereafter. And when we are about to enter into salah, Guess who's going to show up also to distract us? The shaitan is going to show up at that point. Actually, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, when a person enters the salah, the shaitan will come, حَتَّى يَخْطُرُ بَيْنَ الْمَرْءِ وَنَفْسِهِ يَقُولُ اذْكُرْ كَذَا اذْكُرْ كَذَا مَا لَمْ يَكُنْ يَذْكُرُ مِنْ قَبْلِ When you are about to enter the salah, and when you enter the salah, the shaitan will come so close as if he comes in the middle of a person and his soul. And he tells him, remember this, remember that, remember this. Things that a person was not thinking about beforehand. I'm sure it happens to all of us. It happens. The shaitan comes to us as you are in the salah and try to make you think of things that were not on your mind before. Instead of thinking of Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, we are thinking of the flat tire. Instead of thinking about Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, we are thinking about the shower curtain. It happens. Instead of thinking Maliki Yawm Al-Deen, we are thinking about the electrical bill. So always the shaitan comes to us as we are doing the prayers to put in our minds thoughts and to make us think of things that were not in our minds before. And the amazing thing is, the minute you say, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, and you finish out the salah, you're not thinking about the flat tire anymore, you're not thinking about the shower rod anymore, you're not thinking about what's going on in your kitchen, you're not thinking about your car, and you are in focus to do whatever else you want to do. That is the work of the shaitan. Therefore, it's our most important struggle to remain in focus as we are praying to reap the benefits of the Salah. It's our very important struggle to remain in focus, to stay in focus as we are praying to reap the benefit of the Salah. But what is the Salah? What is the definition of the Salah? What is the definition of praying? Praying is a structured act of worship that engages your body and mind and your heart and soul 
That engages what? Your body and mind and your heart and soul to carry out specific acts of worship, to carry out specific body motion along with a specific statement of glorification and Quranic recitation. So the Salah is an act of worship that requires the engagement of your body and soul and heart and mind. Not any act of worship requires the engagement of those four things. If you want to give a charity, it's not required the engagement of your heart and soul. It requires the engagement of your hand going to your pocket. When you want to fast, it's not required the engagement of your body. All what you have to do is stop from eating and doing other things that nullify the fasting. But when it comes to the salah, it requires the engagement of the body and the soul and the heart and the mind in carrying out this act of worship. We want here to stop and think very carefully about what is the reality of the prayers that we do. The reality of the prayers that we do of five times a day. Are you ready for this? The reality of those salah, they are your personal visitation to Allah. Don't think about it any less than that. It's your personal visitation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you think about the salah any less than that, you're not doing yourself a favor. You are short-changing yourselves. The salah is your personal visitation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you say Allahu Akbar, you enter into a dimension where permissible things become impermissible for you anymore. Once you say Allahu Akbar, you cannot eat, can you? Can you eat after you say Allahu Akbar? When you say Allahu Akbar, you cannot drink, can you? When you say Allahu Akbar and you enter the salah, you cannot talk with people, can you? So once you say Allahu Akbar, you enter a dimension where permissible things become impermissible for you anymore. Why? Because you are in the visitation now. You enter a dimension where permissible things are not permissible anymore for you. When you say Allahu Akbar, you transfer yourself from the atmosphere of materialistic living to the atmosphere of being in the presence of Allah. When you say Allahu Akbar, you transfer yourself from the atmosphere of materialistic living to the atmosphere of being in the presence of Allah. Somebody might say, well, Imam, maybe you're taking it too far. How can you support that? Say, we support that by the statement of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, where he says, وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ أَمَرَكُمْ بِالصَّلَاةِ فَإِذَا صَلَّيْتُمْ فَلَا تَلْتَفِتُوا فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يَنْصُبُ وَجْهَهُ لِوَجْهِ عَبْدِهِ فِي صَلَاتِهِ مَا لَمْ يَلْتَفِتْ رواه الترمذي وهو حديث صحيح the Prophet said, And Allah commanded you and ordered you to pray. So do not turn your face when you are praying. Because Allah put His face facing the face of His slave. Allah puts His face facing the face of His slave. You are visiting Allah. So if you are visiting Allah, Allah put His face facing your face. Thus, if a person, as he is praying, turns to the side without a reason, Allah will not look at that person anymore. The visitation is over. There was no focus. And that is related to the physical turn. 
And likewise, if a person turns away with his heart, meaning his heart somewhere else, Allah will turn away from that person. So Allah put his face, facing the face of his slave. We do not see it. We do not perceive it in our senses. But we have to be aware of it. We have to be aware of it. We have to be reminded of it. Even though we do not see it. We do not feel it. But we have to be reminded of it in order for us to develop the needed emotions when it comes to the salah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put his face facing the face of his slave. But in order to avoid any wrong theology, here it does not mean Allah sharing with us the place. No. Just like if you go to see the sunset, as the sun is sitting, the disk of the sun will be facing you. That does not mean the sun on earth, the sun in its orbit. Likewise, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put his face, facing the face of his slave, that does not mean Allah with us on earth, Allah somewhere else, as he told us, over his throne in the way befit his majesty. So that is very important to understand as we are talking about this hadith. So you are in personal visitation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as such, when you go to visit somebody, how do we go? Do we go with our sloppy clothing and dirty clothing and stinky clothing? Or we go with our nice clothing? No doubt we go with our nice clothing. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran. Ya bani Adam, خُذُوا زِينَتَكُمْ عِنْدَ كُلِّ مَسْجِدٍ O children of Adam, wear your garment at every place of prostration. So wherever you go to make your prostration, when you want to make salah, when you, come, when you want to go to the masjid, put your nice clothing. Put the clothing that you use to meet people with. We should not pray in our PJs and pray in clothing that we do not see them suitable to meet people with. If they are not suitable to meet people with, they're not suitable to pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If they're not suitable to visit people with, they are not suitable to visit Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with. So that is, this visitation is very important to put our nice clothing. Also the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam instructed us as we are entering this visitation to do what? To clean our mouths. The mouth has to be fresh and clean. And using the miswak or using some other things that have the same impact of the miswak, but it's not going to be the same. The miswak has an impact like no other in giving a fresh breath and clean mouth. It sanitizes the mouth, literally, as the Prophet said, Al-miswak matharatun lil-fam. It sanitizes it and sterilizes it. Like no other. The Prophet said in the hadith that is very important. When one of you recite the Quran in the salah, an angel will put his mouth on your, on your mouth. And whatever comes out of your mouth enters the angel's mouth. Subhanallah. We do not feel it. We do not see it. But it is happening. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us when we visit him, smell nice and to dress nice. Because the salah is no less than visiting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he put his face facing the face of his slave. In continuation to this topic that we're talking about, there are some good believers. 
They are good believers, but they smoke. They're good believers. So today I'm going to give them an advice. After you hear this hadith that an angel put his mouth on your mouth as you are reciting the Quran and the Salah, that put in us the responsibility to be concerned about that angel. So what should we have to do? We have to, when we enter the Salah, to our clothing to smell nice and our mouth to smell nice. So I suggest for the smokers, just like what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did in prohibiting alcohol. At one time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala legislated for those who drink alcohol not to come to the time of the prayer unsober. So likewise we say to the smokers, two hours before the salah come, don't smoke. To give yourself enough time for your clothing to be nice and for your mouth to smell nice. Two hours before the salah. So if the salat al-dhuhr at 1.30, you stop at 11.30. And then when asr comes, two hours before the salah, stop smoking and change your clothing. Because you do not want to enter the salah with clothing that stink. It's not befitting to visit Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with such clothing. So you stop two hours before the asr prayer. And then two hours before the maghrib prayers, all the way until after isha. So you already cut 40% from your smoking time. 40%. And at the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and little by little, you will be able to kick the habit. Now we go back about this salah. The salah, we said, it's a personal visitation to Allah. And in this visitation, there are personal dialogue that is going on between you and Allah. Can you believe that? Personal dialogue. In the hadith narrated by Muslim, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, I split the prayers between me and my slave into two sections. When my slave says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, I say, Hamadani Abdi. My slave praised me. When my slave says, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Allah says, Asna Alayya Abdi. My slave commended me. When my slave says, Maliki Yawmiddin, Allah the Most High will say, Majjadani Abdi, my slave lauded me. When he says, Iyaka na'budu wa Iyaka nasta'een, Allah Most High says, This is between me and my slave, half of it for me, half of it for my slave, and I will give my slave what he is asking for. And when the slave says, صِرَاطَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا الضَّالِّينَ Allah Most High says, this is all for my slave and he receives what he's asking for. Does that sound to you like a dialogue between you and Allah? This is exactly what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in a hadith narrated by Bukhari. إِذَا صَلَّى أَحَدُكُمْ فَإِنَّهُ يُنَاجِي رَبَّهُ When one of you prays, he has this intimate talk with Allah. It's a dialogue. So we have to think about that. You're not going to hear the voice of Allah saying, حَمَدَنِي عَبْدِي مَجَّدَنِي عَبْدِي You cannot hear it in your ears, but you have to be aware that it's going on, so you respect it. Many people enter the salah very quickly, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar in ruku'ah. Are those people cautious that there's a dialogue going on between them and Allah? 
So we have to respect that. We do not hear it in our ears. We do not see it. But we know it's taking place. We know that this salah gives us the opportunity to visit Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to have this conversation. What do you think will happen to us when we have these feelings going on at all times? Wouldn't we be empowered? Wouldn't we feel very empowered in our lives? I mean, think about it. If you know somebody that is very powerful and very in control, and he tells you, you can come and visit me any five times a day, and you ask of me anything you want, are you going to feel empowered to do things? Say, yeah, I know so and so, and I can visit him any time, I can call him any time. You know, you know so and so? Yeah, yeah, we know him, it's very hard to get to. Say, no, I I have privilege to call him five times a day. And whatever I want, he can do for me. Does that make you empowered? Wouldn't that empower you? And when we have the privilege to visit Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who controls the universe, the one who when he wants something to take place, he sees thee and it will take place. When we think about that, that we are visiting Allah and we have this dialogue with Allah, will that empower us and to make us strong believers? Guarantee it, it will do that. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu sta'inu bil-sabri wa-salah. Oh, you believe, get help, get power from patience and from salah, praying. So this salah, it gives you a dialogue between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also this salah gives you very close to Allah, makes you very close to Allah. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam said, أَقْرَبُ مَا يَكُونُ الْعَبْدُ مِنْ رَبِّهِ وَهُوَ سَاجِدٌ فَأَكْفِرُوا مِنَ الدُّعَاءِ When the slave prostrates, he is the closest to his Lord. So once we go into prostration, body motion, and heart motion. Many people go in prostration in their bodies, but their heart somewhere else. They're prostrating in their forehead and in their limbs, but the heart still somewhere up there. So they have to grab it, put it back in their heart, chest and prostrate body and soul. We remind ourselves we are the slaves of Allah. We are the humble slaves of Allah. We humble ourselves to Allah the Most High. He is the Most High and we prostrate to Him. That is our statement in our action. That is a statement in our body that we surrender to Allah. So it's not befitting after that, after we prostrate to Allah to get up and do things that are displeasing to Him. Intentionally. It's it's a contradicting statement. The closest we are to Allah is when we humble ourselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the most. So this prayer is make us close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Few more things about the salah insha'Allah. This salah has many benefits to us. First of all, this salah expiates our sins. Don't we sin? Every one of us sins. No one of us is an angel. And no one of us is above sinning. All of us sin to varying degrees. But watch it. Do not sin intentionally. What happens unintentionally is enough. So we do not have to go and do it intentionally. What happens unintentionally, unplanned is enough. 
So we do not have to plan to sin because what happened without our planning is sufficient for us. But this salah expiates our sins. The Prophet said, if there wasn't a river in front of your front door, and in that river you bathe yourself five times a day, are you going to carry any dirt on your body? They said, oh Prophet of Allah, no. He said, this is what the salah will do to you. So it expiates our sins. Also the salah make us remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as he said in the Quran, وَأَقِمُ الصَّلَاةَ لِذِكْرِي Establish the salah for my remembrance. The salah is our form of being grateful to Allah. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as we pray to him. Our beloved Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he received forgiveness for everything. So he would also stand the whole night praying to Allah. So much so until his feet from the bottom will crack up. So Aisha, radiallahu anha, his beloved wife, she told him, you do all of that and Allah has forgiven all of your sins. He said, wouldn't I be a grateful slave to Allah? Wouldn't I be grateful slave to Allah? I mean, when you think about that, and put that into comparison between how some people go about their life. They for sure did not receive any forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all of their sins. But nevertheless, when they do some good deeds, they use it as a way for them to do some evil deeds. And they say, we did this and this will take care of that. It's a balance for them. I went to the Jum'ah today and I make some charity so Friday night is for me. I can do whatever. This is how they think. No, it does not work like that. The Prophet ﷺ, after he received forgiveness for all of his sins, he prayed to be grateful slave to Allah. So our prayers our, is a form of being grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also this prayer stops immoral conduct and unacceptable behaviors. إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ تَنْهَا عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ when we pray and we realize in our prayers that we are visiting Allah, when we realize in our prayer that we have dialogue with Allah, when we realize in our prayers that we are very close to Allah, once we salam out and we come out from the salah, we're going to come out with a strong faith that will inhibit us from immoral conduct and unacceptable behaviors. إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ تَنْهَا عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ Also the salah rejuvenates your strength. If you feel weak, then what we should do? Not to go and take some depressant pills and people go and do a lot of things when they feel weak and shaky and they go and take pills here and pills there and some people smoke and some people do other things. No, we should go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was reported when إِذَا حَذَبَهُ أَمْرْ فَزَعَ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ When something came that concerned him, he would go and rush to pray, to get in contact with his Lord. So those are the benefits of the salah. And believe me, Juan, I remind myself, and I remind you when we think of our salah as such, it's our personal visit to Allah. As we are visiting Allah, we have this dialogue with Allah. We are the closest to Allah in the salah. We observe the rules and the salah. 
then this salah will have an impact in our lives like no others. It will make us and be the tools to transfer us to make us strong believers. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us to that. وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد